0: Welcome to the Fargo Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season four, episode 10, Happy. Aaron, are you happy with this episode?
1: I'm tolerably. Okay. I mean, oh, boy. You're, you're I the mean, Leon okay. of this episode? No, no, no. I'm trying to be apologetic because I do see, feel like that this is kind of... Um, You know, one of them divisive seasons of some of the television that we watch where it's like, you know, people start balkanizing. I'm seeing in the uh, forum, not the forums, but in the Reddit, like people like if there's well-meaning people want to discuss their issues and problems with some of the messiness of the season. They're starting to be shouted down. The people that are praising are starting to get, you know, downvoted comments shitting all over like every aspect of it. So I want to take a step back and say that, like, I think that this season of Fargo is messy. Um, It's doing A lot of really heavy lifting over a huge cast of characters, uh, some big, bold ideas. And I always, always want to support filmmakers when they're swinging for the fences. And I think Holly was doing so in this season. However, between the shutdown and him deciding to, you know, try to steal scenes from three or four other episodes to make a middle episode for some pacing reason... Uh, For him kind of like jettisoning the plot to go for a really big bravara, uh, you know, artistic showpiece last episode. I, I do think this this season feels a little bit more stitched together and piecemeal. And it does it's done violence to some of the main characters like Ethel Rita has been lost for three weeks yeah. Um, and she's in here almost as a Deus Ex Machina to, like, you know, r- resolve everything in a final, a finale episode that's not even 40 minutes long next week, according to the advanced runtime. So. I hear it. Like if you this is not this is not your father's Fargo. This isn't even (laughs) like peak Holly Fargo. This isn't even last season Fargo, which already ruffled a lot of feathers. And it's dealing with a lot of important shit that's uh, borderline offensive or upsetting to a lot of people. Um, Having said that. I actually like this episode a lot. I think this episode could have been a subtitled Aaron is right about everything he's been saying this season. Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> here comes the ring back to significance. Uh Mr. Uh-huh. Snowman is a guardian spirit, not a spooky spooky ghost that's tormenting. He's a blessing, not a curse. There's um y- you know, the the, the the bumbling brothers kind of sorta of pay off in a hilarious moment of, like, Fargo serendipity. <laughs> the guy so who I thinks actually, he's the brains of the operation, you know, or wants to be,
0: is coming back into play as that, yeah.
1: Yep, I actually thought all this stuff felt like it was coming together, and I am, like, the one thing is, like, man, 30, 39 minutes with credits next season, next episode, that's what it's going to take to wrap this plot up? That seems wild, but I, I believe and I really like this episode. Jim, what do you think? Yeah, um... I
0: think I would have started getting a little more antsy. Like I think this season um, has been hit and miss, certainly. Um, and I would have really started getting antsy after last week's episode if it wasn't this, you know, Wizard of Oz, like kind of jaunt off uh, like an excursion into another uh, world. That kind of postponed my really like getting antsy. This episode... It does everything it needs to do, but for some reason this isn't hitting with me. And I'm like, look, I'm I'm uh, the son of of an Italian-American. I am an Italian-American. Like, this should be right up my alley. I should be really enjoying this stuff, and this season should be firing on all cylinders for me. It's not really doing it. Like, I, I'm enjoying some of the characters more as we get deeper into it, and I, I get more comfortable with him damn, we're, we're almost at the end of this thing, right? And I'm still not feeling like it's come together in a super satisfying way. Um, and I think it started with that, you know, run like six and seven or, or what was it? Was it six and seven where the, we think the episodes were cut uh, mm-hmm. uh, from like one long one and like some footage was added and stuff. Uh, that's where I, I started to be like, okay, this season has not, been super exciting but it should be getting exciting right now like now's the time if it's going to and it just didn't happen um for me and it didn't come together didn't mesh like so many of these other seasons have uh so i don't know man i'm not really feeling it it's fine but you know it's not the fargo of yesteryear for me (laughs)
1: Well, I do remember. I I I want to have a discussion about some meta stuff here. I do remember, like when we're you know Monday morning we get together and we start writing the promos for the week. You know, like our housekeeping and like you know getting people like excited about all of our different shows. And we had this running joke on Fargo where it's like, yeah, the Midwestern gang war is heating up on Fargo. And I do think it's <laughs> funny that like in the penultimate episode, when you are reasonably okay, we've dealt with all this stuff. We've we've had all the, you know, the Duke. Archduke Ferdinand has now been assassinated in his motor car. Like, it's time for the fucking war. We Godfather style yada yada through it with the I musical. Po- it's it's and, and it's yeah. it's literally the Godfather technique of like let's show all the different uh, photos of the massacre and the official response and the outrage uh, with a bunch of tough dudes walking around with Tommy guns and piles of bodies and black and white photos and the flashbulb effects and you know now we're th- we're we're twenty nine soldiers deep in the war on the cannon side who knows what's <laughs> going on in the fada side. And it did feel like I don't know, but the other thing is like we entirely by accident fell down like a gangster hole this year where, you know, we had a whole bunch of um, anniversaries and we like to do things around movie anniversaries and like the anniversary of Goodfellas and Casino came up. And we also looked at the Irishman at the like to get this year started Um Uh, There's tons of really great gangster movies we've watched and I feel like that Noah Hawley tried to make kind of like that unironic kind of like Godfather versus American gangster and it seems really really exciting but. He doesn't quite have his hands around everything going on in the story and in the plot and with the characters. And like today, this, this episode is a perfect example. Um, he skips forward four months because he wants to yeah. yada yada through the gang war. That sounds like an expensive set piece after expensive set piece to shoot and write and orchestrate. And that that um, works on a lot of these plots, but it also raises a lot of questions about Miss Mayflower, Like, what the fuck has she been doing for three four months? Like, she was perched on her revenge plot last month. Everything was coming down. So now we have to have Dr. Harvard in this, like, fugue state Mm -hmm. for four months. And she has to just be living in an apartment, plotting revenge, but not do like this very day, four months later, she decides to stomp over and start shit with it. None of that makes sense. Um, And on the gang war side,
0: uh, you've got New York who four months ago said, hey, wrap this up in two weeks. That's all we're giving you. Right now we're here four months later, and I I don't know if Joe Bulo and Ebel were able to like broker some kind of uh, sustained support from New York or what, but they don't even address any of that. Right, it's like four months later after a two week deadline,
1: they're still they're still going at it. So I think it's going to be a little commentary of, but there again is, do you need like my best guess is this is kind of commentary on like Vietnam War and like proxy war, you know that's been like. One of the 17 things he's tried to comment about, about like these cold wars that you get into. And it's like, you know, France, France, Fr- France, is over there in Vietnam, like le blue. We're losing control of a colony. It's falling to communist America. Help us out. We're like, OK, fine. We're going to send some fucking military advisors and help you sort this shit out. Ten years later, you know. Six figures of Americans are dying in this country for why are we? Because the French asked us for a mil- in the 50s for help controlling this c- colony. Slide- like, there is some interesting, like, you know, because Hap, happy gets here today, you know, from the country, another region, no, totally disconnected war. Why is he getting into it? Because we're kind of all in a gang and where one of our fortunes go, all of our fortunes go. It's exa- Like, that commentary is all there. And he's like, oh, we're only going to be here for two weeks. Or am I supposed to? Is, is that like a deliberate callback to New York's two weeks? And now it's like, this is another cold war. This is a Vietnam situation. But what is a parable by Vietnam doing in the middle of Fargo season four? When it's an immigrant story about, I mean, like I said, I can get in my car and drive down that road and meet Holly at that destination. But I get there and like, why the fuck did you call me out here to Vietnam? Uh-huh. You know? Um, and I think that's it. Like all of those storylines we've talked about are very ambitious, deserving of a, th- a 13 episode arc of their own. And we got like six or seven of those all going in, you know, the plight of black people in America, the plight of um, immigrants in America, which is essentially everyone except for the first nations people. Yeah. Right. Uh, the first nations people are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, with, with representation is representation as plot like Catholic Americans versus Protestant Americans versus, you know, American Protestants like the Mormons. It's it's there's it's almost overstuffed. You know, like at what point does the Oreo factory go broke when they're like double stuff, triple stuff, quadruple stuff, ten times stuff? If it's like your whole row of Oreos is just one Oreo with two cookies and it's like six inches of cream in between it, like it's too stuffed, right? <laughs> sure. And I think that's that's the argument. And like I guess, like I said, I I can. I can meet him at all the different destinations and be like, "Yeah, this is cool. This is worth saying." But like, maybe if 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 he had the season back, he would he would maybe not go for some of the Cold War analysis on top of. But I, I felt like, and I, I get it. Like sometimes when I'm sitting there writing over on Swissbowl, the three right turns, like there is this temptation to like throw a grand unified theory on everything wrong. And like if 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 you get this yeah. one thing and and if people can understand this one thing about America, then it can change. And I I I think Holly kind of maybe got seduced by that. Yeah, um, and, and if you look at it like the gang war
0: be, you know heating up for the last six weeks or whatever, um, right. you know that's been a running joke, but it's been true of the show, and it's been a series of of subversions just keeping that thing from ever feeling, even though things are moving forward, uh, the progress is being made on that front, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like this is the moment where it kicked off. It's like this is the moment where uh, you got a gangster who's extra pissed, and he's still mm-hmm. going to v- be in the shadows, not doing much about it other than like playing these games. It just didn't feel like you ever got to the point where it boiled over. It was just boiling forever, yeah. and Every time you know you you had the the pot about to boil over, you'd have some character do something that would uh, that would undercut it, right? Like, oh, uh, yeah. you know, Weff's going to go in and he's going to get the he's going to do whatever at the Cannon House, or you know, Calamita's going to go to the Cannon House. He's going to take kill everybody there. No, no, he just goes up and talks to the wife, and she scares him off. Right. You know, all these subversions of the action that should have. Progressed just kept happening and kept me from really ever engaging on the level I think they wanted me to.
1: Do you think what to what extent did the shutdown lead to this season's messiness? Because I I there's there's two schools of thought there. One, the shutdown gives you suddenly time to like really refine. You know, uh, I, I guess there's like a couple episodes left to shot, a lot of post production left to do, and it's like man, we could do some make reshoots and some pickups, and I, you know, obviously the temptation was there, and he created a whole new episode out of whole cloth um i wonder if that i don't know because none of that has anything to do with i think my main criticisms which is the 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 two stuffed oreo there's like just way too much uh things that you're trying to comment on for any of it to feel coherent um but you know i i i don't know because the other the other argument is uh Boy, you should have you should have that time. to like really smooth things out and like it, you know, maybe things were rough in the beginning, but the end should be smooth as silk. And I don't feel like I feel like the first five episodes of Fargo were much more of a piece and felt much more locked in and dialed in yeah. than the the back half. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know if that is a direct result
0: of the shutdown, but I know that you could certainly, you know, time could be a blessing and a curse, I think the more restrictions you have the more creative you have to get to work within those restrictions and time can be one of those right. restrictions. Sure. And sometimes that leads to a, a much better outcome, a much tighter product because you have to cut things, you know, you can't indulge yourself. Um, whereas if you're given an extra amount of time to go back and make rewrites to a thing that was already pretty set in stone, well now suddenly you've got to re-engage with all those pieces. Um, you, you've run the risk of then indulging too much and, I, I can't say whether that happened or not, um, whether this would be a better or worse season uh, without the shutdown, because obviously we, we had the shutdown, but I don't know. I don't know. It does feel like something is not connecting here.
1: I am very excited after next week to read the, you know, uh, the post-mortems that they usually, you know, like I'm sure Holly's going to be in, interviewed by Alan Sepinwall or Pani Wozniak or some of these guys. Yeah. Uh, Mo Ryan. Yeah. Somebody's going to get him on an interview and he's gonna he's gonna spill the beans about like the structure of the season. Cause it also, you know, he's had like years to come up with like mm-hmm. what he wanted to say about Fargo. And I bet it's going to be interesting. Um and who knows, like, you know, next next 39 minutes might like I don't think anything the next 39 minutes is going to make this season a disaster for me. Um, no, I no. think it's a I think it's a good it's a, it's a good season of Fargo. Um it's just it, I am kind of like it's kind of like that thing where it's like, man, I was really, uh, I was listening to this speaker for like the first fifteen minutes, and it's a, and then the last five minutes, I'm like, ooh, ooh I, I've kind of, I'm, I'm losing it a little bit. I, I want, I'm rooting for you, guy, and I'm, I'm liking what you're saying, but like, you need to kind of like be able to put a point on all this stuff, and
0: yeah, for well, me, this
1: this season is fitting into the gigantic chasm of
0: okay television between like The Walking Dead and. Breaking Bad slash Leftovers, that kind of stuff. Like, right. there, there's a monumental, enormous chasm between those two. And most of television slots in there, this does too. It's not awful. Mm. It's not great. It's somewhere in the middle. And and honestly, it's less interesting because of that. Like, it almost mm. would be more interesting to me to come on here every week and rip into what a shitty season of Fargo it is. Sure. At least that'd be fun, you know. Uh, yeah, th- this yeah. stuff where you're stuck in the middle is like, ah. Okay, it's fine.
2: We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make.
1: Well, maybe we should talk about this episode in detail. Um, unlike last episode, uh, I've broken it back down into the various factions business. Um, we do have the, ti- the, the time skip of uh, four months is because, like, I think people might have missed that contextually that we are now past the new year. It's these events now take place in 1951, 1950. Yeah. Uh, We're in the spring. Uh, the snow has melted. It's starting to get nice out. Um, so we joined the cannon business, uh, they've been fighting for four months, Loy is no longer in his home, Mm -hmm. he is now living in like the penthouse suite of, uh, whatever you call a a high rise in 1951 Kansas City, a medium rise. Is that the Gadfly? Is that where he's at? I, I didn't see the name of the building, but it's, 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 it's a nice hotel, he's, uh, he's, um, uh, Al Caponing it. Live, living in the penthouse of this hotel. Yeah. His wife's getting him all cleaned up for an interview he's given with this happy guy who has been mentioned literally all season long. This is Leon's cousin. Uh, you know, when, when Loy, Loy was giving this man a savage beating with a belt, uh, you know, his men were screaming, you can't do this. We're going to need Hap before all this is over. Well, they need Hap. He's here. Um, apparently, uh, um, apparently, apparently, Buell's mother was best friends with his mother and they are like sisters, which I don't think means they're actually sisters, but there's a long, long tie to this family time together and it's brought him to the table. He's very country and you can see that in the way he dresses in comparison to like Loy Um he his his uh his rap sheet, you know, because he's introduced just like all the other criminal uh dudes this season. He's he's got the old timey booking and 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 uh, rap sheet. He's his primary crime was cattle rustling, you know, uh, just to give a context and a contrast between the two. Mm. Uh, but uh, he's very reluctant to lean lend his strength to Loy because he sees Loy as a losing cause, and and not even that lot- he he sees Loy more as like giving all
0: black folk a bad name right
1: yeah or drawing attention because he's like you know yeah. the only thing worse than living in darkness is stepping out into the light because when the cops bust heads they don't care about which heads they just care about the color yeah um and you know Lloyd's retort isn't the natural one so like what you stay in the shadows the deal t- the, the whole time no one sticks their yeah. head out into the light um, and the, you know, the difference of like minding your forefathers and your place and, you know, versus uh making a name for yourself and doing things like in, in, in a new flashy kind of way. Um, but yeah, Buell's uh, able to essentially pull the the cousin, the the family thing on. And I, I like Happy's retort about like, yeah, I got a cousin on death row too. You want me to sit in the chair with him mm-hmm. when they flip on, when they flip on the electricity? Um, but they point out the fact that New York is stretched thin. They don't want this war. No one can fight it. They just need a little bit more strength. So he agrees to the two weeks, the same two-week deal that the fod has got four months ago. Uh, which which makes me think that they're trying to
0: say something with that. Like, are they trying to say that this is a thing that goes on forever? Like, th- th- that 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 time is meaningless, right? It's like... You know, with with the the season uh, having these themes of change, right? Um, and how you roll with it, or you get steamrolled uh, by it. Are they trying to say like th- there there are some things that are not changing, uh, and and the more they change, the more they stay the same? Like this gang war lasting quote unquote two weeks has now stretched out into four months, and then we have another character saying two weeks that's supposed to imply that this is going to
1: stretch on. Much much longer. Yeah, I really think this is just uh, a broad gesture towards the Cold War status quo. That you know, okay. um, everyone goes goes into these things like oh, this, is a, this is this isn't even is it really a war? Or is it a police action? You know, like we're right, we're right. we're you, you know, and and yet you get in there and it's a decade later and you know 90,000 Americans are dying. Well, now like, would you going to quit now? Right. Well, I mean, what do you say in, to those people's we're still families? In the Iraq when, border, yeah. Yeah. Like you know, there's like that's has been uh, pointed years. out by smarter people than me that there are people now going into Afghanistan and Iraq who were not born during 9/11. There are fathers passing down their patrols and their forward operating bases to their sons and daughters that are going and occupying. It's yeah. It's it's great. And, in, you know, like there's broadly speaking, um, we still have tanks and troops in Germany. We still have tanks and troops in North Korea or I'm sorry, <laughs> South Korea. Yeah. Um, We tend to get stuck in these entanglements. Now, why does that point need to be made? I think it's like if I if I put my, you know, Noah Hawley hat on, he, he's making an analogy to like essentially race war in America. Exactly. Like, like one side has to be a side that like, you know what? I'm going to swallow an escalation or an affront or an attack. And I'm just not going to react this time. Mm-hmm. Whichever side has, you know, and what side is the one that can absorb that, which side's got the strength, which side's like, you know, but that's what it takes, not just once, but several times to get a fi- the fight. You know, you either have to win the war decisively. and What does that even look like when it t- turns to like, what does it mean to be an America, American in America? Or uh, one side has to just start like ex- absorbing shots and just not reacting. Um, but that's a hard thing to do. Look at the Middle <laughs> East, look at racial relations in America. Look at our various yeah. entanglements around the world. Yeah. You you first, right, is the response to that. So sure. You got this, uh, this Lurch
0: motherfucker in the background holding two pictures of Happy's ancestors. Sure. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, gives further context for the, the amount of time. I mean, if you needed it, like hundreds of years, mm-hmm. right, in this country. Yeah. Uh, it goes back further than that, even. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely pulling something with that uh i i it feels silly to me and not in the fargo silly kind of way like gaetano's death is but like just straight up silly to have this guy standing in the background holding these pictures i like do you
1: need that it it just feels so artificial i have noticed in the last few years as like um you know, there's a lot of commentary about like, you know, black folk and how they feel about, you know, uh, their culture and their families and how it's different fundamentally from like Protestant white Protestants in America um, that that's like that that um, Hollywood's really leaned into that. You know, you see uh, like, you know, Black Panther, um, you know, he, he goes to visits his ancestors on their ancestral Africa tree uh, and talks to all the other Black Panthers, including his father. And and you see that, you um, uh, and, and, like, man, it, it, in this um, election, a lot of uh, black politicians were talking about, you know, the important, like, name-checking their ancestors and stuff. I just feel like this is, like, um, it's something culturally important, It's all, but it's also in the cultural milieu now. And that can be a really dangerous combination of offensiveness. But I do think that, like... If, if those politicians they're, had they're, lurch they're, behind them standing with two of their family ancestors... Photos. Give it twenty years, man. There might, there, yeah? there this okay. like, I mean, this is, this is pull, like these, these are pulling from real kind of things and real relationships people have. I, but, um, Oh God, I, I will say that, like, I do think that, like, fundamentally, looking at ancestors for answers for things, like, it's you know, it's strength and inspiration, like that does feel like a fundamentally conservative position um you know yeah. anytime you look in looking at the like at the at, and uh, anytime you're looking backwards instead of forwards and you know this could very well be super offensive to, uh, observation to make but i do wonder that because like w- when when i was thinking about happy and he he grabs the pictures and he looks at like father and i'm looking at grandfather yeah what the fuck and I, what the fuck is he actually doing he's just having like he's 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 having a discussion within his own mind about what should happen. And I'm putting on my secular hat here. Like, I don't actually believe ancestors are alive and conscious and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Okay. This is the same way, like, when a a preacher gets on a stand and says, God told me to do this. Like, how can you fact check that? It's, it's It's a way to, like, buttress a single person decision mm-hmm. with a veneer of extra respectability citing the bible citing the ancestors, citing the america's founding fathers you know those are ways you you do that and and, and that's why and i think I, I it think, feels artificial it's just you know it's there sure. as a visual and i but tell that to a preacher on the pulpit or who's running for congress that like yeah, yay this god shit what is I mean, his artificial... I I, total, I totally would. Because,
0: <laughs> like, I don't You're believe right, any of that. Right, but, but yeah. and
1: where would it get you? Probably no ran way. out of ran out sure. of the hall a lot of places. Ran out of town. So, like, Absolutely. it's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think there's more to the canon business, but this is the crux of theirs, and it kind of all melds together in a Sputnik business later. So, um, the one thing is, is, this is at his low point. You know, we had the Nadir. We're at the Nadir now. He is openly questioning his own worth as a man. Uh, whether his best days are behind him, whether he can win, win this war at all. Uh, he's thinking about his boy that he's lost. He's thinking about how strong his wife is and how much he's he's disappointed her. Uh, you know, he's lost his he lost He's lost his cops. He's lost everything at this point. Uh, but he's about to get something important. Let's talk about the the fada fadas. We enter the fada business with evil talking to Joe Bulow. Now, if people uh, were just came in season four blind, um, the only thing you need to know about Joe Bulo is he'll eventually be the uh, manager of the Northern Acquisition of the Kansas City Mafia moving in on the Fargo gang. Like this Kansas City thing that whatever happens at the end of the season, it's so fucking successful that it starts the octopus in the 70s and start muscling in on on other regional powers uh, and see season two of Fargo if you want to know more about that. Then watch season one. I then go back and watch season three. I think that's the way I would do it, just to get the chronolo- chronology right. Um, uh, I-, I thought it's interesting that uh, Gaetano is kind of the voice of reason in these scenes. Like you know, Josto's popping off and you know making this all personal. He's like, "Hey, this is just about business," which gives him the idea that what you really need to do is take this Loy Cannon fellow and just supplant him with someone a little bit easier to get along with smash cut to leon and happy (laughs) yeah for sure uh
0: which i kind of you know saw coming when they said they need somebody weak who thinks he's strong i'm like oh that's leon to a t um it's been him all season uh does that feel weird to you does it feel like over the course of the last well i I would say the last two episodes but there's that wizard of oz episode in there that has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. anything else uh in the gang war it, does it feel weird to you over the last two episodes they've made Gaetano into a bit of the brains and the brawn and Josto is, like, this buffoon who's flailing wildly?
1: I, do, I can't tell whether I'm in the tank for Fargo because, like, I've kind of, like, really been thinking about Gaetano and his multi-layers of, like, trauma and abuse and, so like, this is a big puzzle piece. Like, I don't... Yeah. I think he's, um... He's like a real melting pot of a character. Like, he's got this, like, uh, very tough upbringing and, you know, like, he's, he's physically strong and he's capable of a lot of violence and he was put in positions where violence was, like, glorified. But he's also a case of arrested development. He literally in a lot of ways is literally that 11 year old boy trapped in this giant, you know, powerful body. And I think that's why yeah. he can sometimes be defeated and afraid and fearful. And sometimes he can be impulsive and brash and win. And sometimes he can trip and fucking blow his brains out. Like I I kind of come yeah, yeah. full. Like I, I, I don't think this is a great way to tell this story and have this character be respect respected but I'm willing to kind of go along with it well enough to like, I think I know what Holly's doing and he's doing a pretty good job of doing what I think he's doing, but that's not a great way. It's, it's, it's a, it's a high risk, low reward way to, to tell a a story about a character. I think. Yeah. I've
0: just been hot and cold with Gaetano. I think occasionally there are moments of brilliance with that character, uh, the writing of that character. And I think a lot of the times it's just this character is whatever they need him to be in the moment um whether he's super smart and observant and can help strategize or whether he's an extremely violent person who's confident in his uh, physical abilities or whether he's a, a mouse who's afraid and and cowering in the corner i yeah it's it's a mess in my opinion that that yeah. character is a mess although i will say That scene in the car that we're gonna get later with them, with with him and Josto, I really liked. And there are moments like Mm -hmm. that. I I fucking love his uh, his opera dance when he goes into that little cafe, um, you know, and slips on the ice and kids laughing. I I love all that stuff. But like that character feels gloriously
1: this this basic clumsiness. Well, speaking of messes, like what do we have to think about happy? Because, like, if we take him at his word, you know, he's someone that reveres family and his ancestors, and you shouldn't jump up and get too high above your station. Yet, he goes in and puts his cousin in Loy's place and says, like, essentially, I want everything that I'm saying that Loy is essentially too big for his britches to get. I want for my cousin, who I acknowledge is a dumbass. Like, yeah, happy seems like a complete opportunistic hypocrite that he will take the language of you know like oh there's our, foref- our our ancestors and oh family and oh we have to do everything as a community and we can't you know gotta do and then he, i what the what what is the what's what's the commentary be- behind these guys playing the honestly it's the role of the useful fool for the fadas um yeah i don't know who this is aimed at to tell you the truth uh
0: Sure. I, I I think there's definitely an element of hypocrisy in that, certainly. Um the other thing is I, I guess I'm questioning who he sees as family. Like does he actually see uh the the canons as family, or is it mm-hmm.
1: Leon that he sees as family, who's his actual real cousin, you know? That is real fan- and like, you know, is that is that a strength to prioritize to pr- prioritize actual blood over <laughs> I don't like <laughs>
0: I don't think so. Similar- like I'm a bit yeah. of more
1: of a meritocratist. Uh yeah, similarities in ideology and in, uh-huh. in, 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 in and 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 aims yeah. and capabilities. Is that what you draw or is it just around family and you know right. uh that that, that 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 a lot of difference in who you talk to and where you go on that. But I, mean, I thought loyalty there again, is definitely that, a that's strength, an interesting though.
0: Like I don't, I don't want to yeah.
1: discount loyalty, right? And if family is the the group that you've chosen to settle on, that loyalty is important, certainly. Yeah. And what would this guy's, you know, sharecropper and slave ancestors think about selling out, you know, your, if not cousin, your, you know, BFF, your your mom's BFF to some uh, Italian gangster outfit? Um, sure. Yeah. And how does what does that mean about the war in Vietnam? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and, and can you blame him, like,
0: for this hypocrisy when Loy is out there giving away his children as instruments of business,
1: you know, like... And 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 as Happy's trying to make the deal, you got the the mayor, the alderman, father-in-law. Apparently, he's lost his election because he's still an alderman, and now he's all mm. pissed off, and he's got this gang war that he's probably getting tarnished with. And you know, like what what's it look like to Happy when this guy busts in and like breaks up your meeting? Like, yeah, uh, you're still, you know, like I I, I wonder. I'd almost wonder if this is another, like, intentional double agent double cross, like a Luca Brasi situation, like go over there and tell them you're not so happy with the family and kind of see what shakes out. Except for huh. this at season of Fargo, every single time I thought, oh, Lloyd's got this master fucking plan. It's it's always been the text oh, it's just the Fargo guys he's got guns for. And then the last scene
0: wouldn't mean nearly as much, right? When Ethel Rita comes to him and gives him the solution to his problems. Exactly. It would just be like, oh, well, I've already got a plan in place,
1: little girl. I don't need your help. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, I kind of, like, you know, with perhaps 40 minutes left of the season to go, I'm out of Master (laughs) Super Double Cross uh, Fifth Dimensional Loy, loy Cannon chess moves. We'll see. We'll see, though. Yeah. Um, but I don't know like his father he gets uh, he gets punched by Gatano real twice this is another interesting case where it's like I think Holly is throw this scene in just to show like the, as the Italians are offensive to the black folk, this this uh, white white um, you know Protestant American is super offensive to the Italians. Essentially, talks to them about in the same way, uh, treats them as less than, yeah. um, orders them like like you know. It's again the story of what it means to be an America and uh, American in America. Uh, I did like the line about I'm gonna walk away from you like a fart in an elevator. Uh huh. Because <laughs> that's what you are. <laughs> Pretty. Pretty good. I've gotten, I've gotten some. Uh, Say what you will about Fargo, I've gotten some good, uh, good expressions. I'm keeping my back pocket off the cob, super solid hit. Walk away from you like a fart in an elevator. That's that's a particular emotion, emotional <laughs> palette that's tricky to paint with, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Josto and G, like everybody, everybody's gunning for Weff. Uh, you know, Lloyd's looking out for him. He's not, you know, his men are saying he's not going to see to live to see another day. The Italian mob, like he's uh, yeah, this is exactly what Weffy or Deffy was um, was warning him about. Yeah. You know, like y- y- you try to butter to toast on all the sides and you got you get up to three sides. It's just not going to work, you know, Palomino. Um, And then this is the the scene that uh, you were alluding to about the brothers, you know, Gaetano, letting his guard down around Josto and explaining like, you know, how he got exiled and how that affected him and how he feels so lost and alone. And the brothers are able to bond over that. It's a pretty sweet, but like kind of also hopeless scene in context of what happens immediately after. But you, you said you liked it. What, what, what you like about the scene?
0: Oh, I, I like that. Um, I, you know, I, I don't need every scene that I enjoy and I think is well acted and well written to be, Uh, positive scene i think this is a you know this is a a scene describing trauma a scene describing uh sadness in a way but it it worked for me um and and i guess you know I, i don't expect uh a lot from the character of gaetano and when he does show a little bit of vulnerability here a little bit of uh you know, that brotherly connection that he's supposed to have with Josto. I think there's a lot there that, uh, a lot to enjoy. Like it's, it's, a a sad scene, but a, a very well written and acted scene. Agreed. E- and, and there also- are a couple of moments where it's funny
1: too, you know, <laughs> like the confusion we get from mm-hmm.
2: Gatano. It's, <laughs> Big,
1: big, like, like a pickle. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm not talking different scale. I'm saying big, big like bull. You're big, like a Velasic, Okay. You know, and he almost got derailed Uh in the middle of the story on that. I mean, man, that's the thing. Like Fargo this season has been. Like haymaker punchlines thrown from the unlikeliest of positions, you know, the fart attack Uh, we got the, the dick joke in the middle of these brothers bonding over like this, just terrible trauma, like, you know, childhood trauma. I'm thinking like, you know, it even goes back further. It's like an 11 year old having sex. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's over sexualization, over sexualization of children. Like Holly's going after cuties. This is season two. My God, there's the 18th issue he's tackling. Uh, it's all, it's all interesting, but it also, also has that like, yeah, the comic relief to it. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which, you know, that's a big, that's a, that's a Fargo thing for sure. Um, let's move on to the police business. We got detective weff fighting for his life. Um, has he really flipped over a new leaf here or has this him like following the path of least resistance to the fact that now everybody wants him dead? And, and like, if you, no one on the police department's too fond of him either. Uh,
2: I That's what I, I mean, got
1: from this episode. His police yeah, yeah. chief being like, yeah, you better watch your back. And the way that is like the, you know, they got a police escort on this guy to protect him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it is weird with the four month time jump of him playing, you know, beating on both sides. Cause he just shuts down the Jost, uh, Jostos, um, you know, main place. And with the context, you pretty sure he's done that with Lloyd too, cause Lloyd's not living in any of his places anymore. Um, Four months of doing that, you'd think he'd have been dead a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong.
0: All
1: right. He's still living in his apartment. He's got his Alpine Shepherd boys. It took four months before they decided, you know what? We know where this guy lives. Let's just fucking hit him.
0: Yeah, I hadn't uh, even thought about that. That's another of the stretches with the four months. His break. car
1: could get like wired for a bomb. There's so many because he's not even driving it anymore. I that's what I thought this was going for. That he's gonna run out. I, I left him surprised, boss. Like mm-hmm. you're surprised as you busted up his Hummel figurines? Mm-hmm. No wonder yeah. you're losing the gang war, man. This isn't how you send a message? I fucking, <laughs> I fucking wrecked his porcelain dolls, the, the, the boss. You should see it. Although I guess burning the eye sockets out of your, his dead fiance's uh, shrine picture.
0: Yeah, it's that's the horse
1: head right in the bed. That's pretty. That's pretty horrific. Um, but uh, I, you know, he comes home. Uh, his apartment's been tossed. Uh, he goes to leave. Gaetano and Josto are waiting for him personally because. It's another, I mean, honestly, this is why this is so fucking uh, messy. Yeah, like. They shouldn't the, the heads of the mafia bosses should never be staking out a place at night. You never That's, you never saw
0: Don Vito out there uh, staking somebody out right planning to kill them. Uh, he's not riding along when, for the hits. No.
1: Especially when you know there's two other factions that know where this guy lives and wants him dead, too. Like, I was <laughs> right. expecting... Like, honestly, when I was watching this, I wasn't ready for what was happening because I was thinking, okay, Wef's going to get car bombed. If that doesn't hit, then, like, Loy's group is going to come up and just wax these Fada brothers for exposing themselves in the middle of the night with no cover. Yeah. Like, making these, these giant tactical... But none of that happens. What does happen is... You know, Wef gets home, he goes outside, and and none of the things we thought were going to happen, like this escalation of the little Indian song that he was going to overcome, uh, 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 his weakness here, like he essentially succumbs to his mountain of ticks, he fumble fucks his gun, he fumble fucks getting out of the car, and he just, his fiance sings him to sleep and he passively accepts his death, and then beyond the grave laughs at the irony of Gaetano blowing his own head off. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, trigger trigger discipline, kids. You don't yeah. want to fuck around with it. Especially when you got winter gloves on. You don't want you don't want to be walking around with your trigger your finger in that trigger. Look what happens. I mean, Four yeah. rules of firearm safety. They're there for a reason, everybody. Uh I mean, do we want I mean, how much do you want to talk about Gaetano blowing his brains out? It was one of those classic tragic comical things that happen in Fargo. Yeah, and it seems like I wonder if any tragedy would ever befall the Fadas if it weren't for uh
0: accidents and and happenstance right because like donatello died the exact same
1: way yeah uh farting himself to death yeah Getting he farted but a... then
0: the bb gun is like the freak accident that you know just hit him in the neck they rush him to the hospital just he the ends right up spot. in the wrong hospital Josto says yep. the wrong thing to the wrong person and boom he's dead like
1: yeah oh you're right it was se- a it was a cascading series of
0: failures absolutely that- yeah from from all parties so like I wonder if anything bad ever happens to them. The The universe almost so. seems like it's
1: conspiring against them in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like in there, it's like, how does that, how does that help the narrative of the season? Because it'd be one thing if the Fadas are seeing as bumblefuck, but they're the, they're the uh, benefactors of privilege. So they keep falling upwards. But like, this does seem like a, this seems like, uh, with, without Lloyd doing anything that he has almost turned the tide of the war just from their ill fortune. Yeah. Which I guess you're, that's what happened in the beginning of the season too. So, mm-hmm. uh, the, the rare moment where I felt like I didn't see this coming at all. I was very confident we would never see Satchel again. Hmm. And yeah. we do see Satchel a couple times. Satchel has been, you know, uh. This sweet little boy has been living in the wind uh, on the plains of America through the harsh winter. It gets fucking cold on that Kansas plane. He's just been living out stealing milk off of uh, porches,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: maybe living with. Uh, I but I, I honestly don't know, and the show doesn't care to let me know. But uh, what well, his experiences have made him hard. Uh, they make that clear. Um, and when some rednecks pull up, I was starting to get you know I to see this kind of like drunken red you know, truck weaving in the roads towards them. Oh my God, Jesus Christ, it's Lovecraft country all over again. But he, nah, he, he flips the script and takes it straight. Mike Milligan and makes it clear that he's not putting up with their bullshit. Uh, I, I, but still, I, I don't know what to do with that because in 1951's Kansas, I believe those rednecks just go to the nearest sheriff department and say, Uh we got, a colored boy waving a gun and menacing us fine white folks. And we'll never hear from Mike Milligan slash Satchel again. Yeah. This seems like a loose end um, of
0: a plot that I didn't even know needed to be there. Like I saw him tuck that gun into his belt and I thought Mike Milligan is here and I didn't need anything else to tell me that. And yet here we are watching a scene that has a sort of natural uh, follow on of what's going to happen next. And if it doesn't happen i'll be a little surprised in a disappointed kind of way um yeah but if it does happen i how the fuck do we have mike milligan right it's like they backed themselves into sort of a corner here
1: yeah i mean like what is is mike milligan to come back kill literally literally everyone on both sides of this war and rebuild everything with evil and joe bulow like i i don't know i i, I was honestly yeah, shocked maybe. to see it and i can see like they even do some visual stuff interesting that like he's walking away and there's this wide shot and this, the skies look real st- stormy, almost tornado, almost tornado like mm-hmm. like I do kind of I, I made that as a joke, but I do think that he's going to come back and like execute some people. I mean, it might like, be a nice that- capper to the this idea of family and loyalty,
0: right? And like the idea that Loy has traded off his son, who then comes back and says, now, nah, fuck
1: everybody. Uh Including you, Dad. This is my world. I am the boss. Like fuck, fuck you, Dad. Fuck you, this other guy. Like I'm. It, but it it could could be a good cap. I, I think maybe. Yeah, and they've already told the stories of how like an 11 year old kid can become like this vital cog in this ruthless fascist machine. True. So like, I do think that that's the story. But like, my mind is like, I don't know that I want to see Satchel coming in and just like regulating. You know. Uh, it's sad. It's very sad to see what and he, you know, what he was four episodes ago versus what he's becoming now. That's
0: the thing. The turn has been so radical here, like going from Satchel to Mike Milligan in the span
1: of one hotel scene. Like, but we're supposed to understand that, like, is is he the Rosetta Stone? You're supposed to understand Gaetano through too. That like this, uh-huh. that it can happen just like that. You can be an 11 year old obsessed with a big-breasted 13-year-old, and then now you are uh, a year later in Italy serving under, uh, you know, Il Duce uh-huh. and, and part of his death squads. Like, yeah, life is fucked up sometimes. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I, I thought we were just going to see him in season two of Fargo. Yeah. Um, apparently, he has got some more roles to play. Uh, which brings us to the uh, smutney business. Uh, we have like Satchel shares a scene, which I thought was interesting. They, they, they cut the scene of, um, you know, this uh, kind of ups, upbeat tempo song about God Almighty cutting people down that deserve it. Like, you know, you, you're, you, you get away and you think you run away free, but like, you know, the scales of justice will eventually be balanced. And it's, it's Satchel r- walking down a dusty road. And it's Ethel Rita looking into the many deaths of Nurse Mayflower, going to the library, making these connections. Honestly, don't know what connection is being made here, but oh, it's she, the ring. This, it's the ring. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I still, I still don't know exactly why her eyes and Loy's light up at the end of the season. Like, I don't think yeah. this is literally going to be like an Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. where, like Belloc. <laughs> She's going to run in there like Belloc, holding up this, this, this ring with all uh-huh. the Fadas, and they all like kneel down and follow her now, like, like some. Gold Idol, but I, I think I have some explanations as to
0: what is probably going to happen, or what could potentially make a difference. But we'll talk about that. Do you want to end. talk?
1: Okay, okay. I say, yeah. um, so the other cool scene is Ethelreda and Deb- Debril finally sit down and talk about the family curse. Yeah, and we find out that this this Mister Snowman was the captain of a slave ship, which her great great granddaddy murdered. Uh, at sea one night and I guess this was like one of those um, you know handful of slave rebellions on a ship kind of stories we've heard somehow make it to America um, but this this guy's name's Ka- uh, Theodore Roach his eyes are sewn shut. He's got a wooden nose. I don't know. These are all posthumous. Like, sh- surely the eyes stitch together are posthumous uh, things. But the wooden nose, maybe he had that in life. Mm. Uh, and she explains he's been with him ever since. And there's, like, the stench that comes with him, the smell of low tide. And if you've ever been to a beach, you kind of know that smell. The twisting and creaking of ropes, and, uh, of, of the cordage of a ship at sea. Uh, the wind of a storm kind of, like, heralds him. And this is all important, because I don't think we knew this information before this this episode. Um and and Ethel Rita asks if you can be rid of this guy, and it's an interesting response because she said your aunt tried to take him. Like, well, I'm I'm the crazy criminal outlaw anyway. I might as well have the ghost, but he's more attracted to sunshine than than darkness, mm-hmm. which explains his fixation with Ethel Rita, You know, yeah. Um, Lemuel comes out and explains that there's a ton of merchandise in the the ha- home, and he's going to be staying here. You, you got to. F- I feel like this is an assignment he's taken on himself. Like, Lloyd's not saying, (laughs) hey, kid, I need you to stay here. He's probably got other dudes, but it'll be important later on, you know. Uh, And uh, Nurse Mayflower picks this opportunity out of the last four months to come blow up Ethel Rita's spot about this ring. Yeah. What do you think about all this? I I liked it.
0: Um, I like getting a little more... uh, information about their backstory about uh what you know this roach slash snowflake guy could be we've been asking that question all season long literally he was in episode one uh and now here we are nine episodes later finally getting some backstory and and i appreciated it and i thought i thought man leon is or sorry not leon uh lemuel is just like the smooth operator and he tries to like You know, when Orietta approaches, he goes up to her and he's like, hey, I'm I'm Lemuel, like tries to introduce himself and be all cool and nice. And then things turn. And I I liked the progression there where he's like more insistently, you need to leave, you need to get out of here, you know, as she's saying these terrible things. Uh, This scene works really well for me.
1: I think so too. And there's something like poignant in the way that – you know Orietta Mayflower, who is a terrible person mm-hmm. on very many accounts, still thinks she's better. Yeah, still thinks she's better than uh, Ethel Rita. and it's based like and thinks she's her better. And it's and like I love how Ethelreda Rita continues to calmly you know, and and smoothly point out that like, oh, you think I'm going to a place in hell? Is it above or below the place where they put you, who's murdered dozens of not just innocent because I don't know is fada innocent. But helpless people, you know, people in trust like that's, um, you know, I I feel like we treat these these crimes of fiduciary trust breaches more severely because it's like, you know, it's It's one thing if you're just walking down the road and someone someone confident scams you, but like when you're relying on them like when you're a baby or you're an old person and you're a sick or injured person that cannot speak for the, yourself and cannot you know protect yourself to take advantage of that situation we kind of reserve that. it's the lowest of the low, you yeah. know um but she still thinks she's better than Lemuel and uh, Ethel Rita. It's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. uh so. Later that night, she decides she's going to come back with a hot shot to give Ethel Rita and put her under once and for all. Uh, Mr. Snowman stops her. Well, at least scares the shit out of her, makes her run screaming into the night right into the arms of the police that arrest her. Four months later, Dr. Harvard's finally woken up out of his (laughs) coma, identified her as the suspect, and she's going down. What do you think is in her purse that's her uh, that's her salvation? I was wondering if it was like some kind of uh,
0: concoction she whipped up in case she was ever caught, so she could uh, put an end to herself. I I don't
1: know. Uh macar- more macaroons. Got a macaroon sure. for all you boys. You guys have been working hard <laughs> investigating this crime. It's all a misunderstanding. Let's let's all end it with some almond almond flavored sweets. Yeah. I did wonder if um she's going to try to contact uh, Josto somehow. Hmm maybe I don't know what her purse does for that it's not like her cell phone is gonna be in it right no but like she's <laughs> got an address book or a phone number or a way to reach him or something i I don't know uh, I don't mm. know why she wanted her purse it's just it's weird and it's also kind of got like um a little history of Fargo of like the the main some of the main villains falling apart when the police you know like I was thinking of yeah. uh William H Macy trying to crawl out the back window of the hotel and his underwear like it's oh you just need a minute oh okay yeah it's all, all falls apart yeah uh and then all smutneys are out on the front porch with the mule enjoying the show of her being uh taken away uh do you want to talk okay what do you think about this Mr- because i've been calling this and it's not like i had any special insight it's like a lot of times i just feel like well what do you expect to happen and what's your basic inversion uh, you expect this guy to be a scary, you know, haunting. It's a curse. They're telling you it's a curse, uh, but what if? What if he's actually good? You know, and they, they, this is not. You, you see this uh, from time to time. You think a ghostly presence is bad, and it turns out he's actually good. Um, what? How did you feel about this twist, or is it a twist? I'm still not sure
0: what to think. Why? Why would this spirit of someone who is is murdered by this family's ancestors be not haunting them but somehow like
2: uh, hovering
0: around them supporting them why would that be a thing
1: I guess what am I I want to believe that a ghost and maybe he started off vengeful that haunts a family for 150 years and sees all their trials and tribulations, and is forced to like he can't turn away, right? Like as these uh-huh. generations go on, and these people are continually shit upon, recognizing his role in it all feels bad, and is trying to do something like <laughs> because- like like maybe like is he trying like like is he trying to get huh. to move on to the next plane, atone to in some way? Like like I said, okay. like I, I'd like to think if you took any racist person. Uh, and you made him watch like a family of African Americans for 200 years. Are yeah. they still going to be the exact same racist that they were 200 years ago? Like, you know, do, do like, what kind of ghost is he? Does he have a memory? Can he learn new things? He just is he just like. Right. My s- preconception
0: of the ghost is that they are stuck. Like, there's a particular issue, a uh, reason why they're haunting you, and they're fixated on that until they're banished somehow. Uh, but right. maybe this is a more evolved ghost, you know? Maybe there's a different But, but kind if you're of stuck ghost. on
1: and also maybe he's motivated if you're stuck on earth and like you can't move on unless you write some wrong and you're wrong as the north atlantic slave trade then you're going to be fucking stuck in america for a good long fish shit yeah. i don't know in the hundred years you'll be able to ev- evaporate off this plane dude uh yeah. you know you're 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 here for the long run the other idea is he's a vengeful ghost and he's actually there cuz he was smiling he wasn't like you know no don't kill this girl like he might take special glee in snuffing out the beautiful flowers that this family is able to grow despite all of their setbacks, right? And he's like there, hmm. like kind of like anticipating her death. And Oriette is put off by the fact that, you know, he looks like a vengeful hate ghost and he accidentally runs her off and saves it, which I also think is a kind of a neat little coda for this ghost story. Hmm. Um, yeah. Do you think we're done with it? Because that's the other thing is like, I also feel like it's a little anticlimactic, either one of those explanations. Um, yeah, like there needs to be one more thing. You know, maybe giving
0: uh the opportunity to get the cannons off her back, her family's back is Capper enough for that
1: ghost. I. Well, the ghost took interest in Lemuel. I think that hasn't paid off yet. Oh, and true. I also think there's like, and, and they also keep Satchelor. I also think it would be an interesting possibility to see like a Mike Milligan walking off with this ghost following him now. And I don't know what the, how huh. that informs season two of uh Fargo. Like if you imagine like Mr. Family. Snowman, it's not, but they also introduced this transitive property with happy. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes bonds can be as strong, you know, be as strong as family, more important than family. And if you want to um, say that, like, maybe the uh, it latching on to the mule is
0: sort of a forecast of Ethelrita and LaMule's relationship in the future. Maybe, you know, oh, they get married oh, and then Satchel would be related to Ethel Rita and
1: he would Mike Milligan might inherit the ghost. Their family. There you go. Right. Getting to a new family branch. Um, I don't know. I, it's it's again, but there's again the, that, you know, uh, boy, boy, howdy, uh. We take this we take this season, we stuff a Wizard of the Oz episode and a ghost story into it all in one piece. Like, whew, it's a lot. It's a it lot. Is. I feel like I feel like uh, early in the evening on Thanksgiving, I just oh I shouldn't have gone back for that second <laughs> helping of turkey. Oh, what was I thinking? And you threw, know, there's another threw, pie ready to come out. <laughs> there's another pie, and all those deviled eggs are in the fridge. I know they are. Mm, like, yep, I can't stop. Holly, Holly's gone mad with tryptophan this year. He just can't stop. He can't stop stuffing. Yeah, uh, can't stop, won't stop. Uh, so the final scene is uh, Ethel Rita with the grand bargain. She offers uh, Loy and at first Loy, you know, I'm only taking this meeting because my son said I should. I dismiss you as a girl. She does. Uh, you know, she did. Uh, she, she did all the research I tried to do on this uh, summary execution of the Moorish kings. I uh, was able to impress him with his knowledge of art and, and, and language and convince him that she's not just some girl that she's got some. And she produces the ring and hands it to him and somehow he knows what this ring can do. She smiles like she knows what this ring can do. I don't know what this ring can do. You have some ideas. Spill them.
0: Okay. Here's my semi-far-fetched idea on what could what this ring could lead to. So we've seen Ebel uh, very, very put off by the actions of Josto, right? Um throughout the last few episodes like it started it really really started when he said that satchel was dead and was trying to get Gaetano killed uh ebel has sort of gone off and done his own thing and maybe you know he's helping with this war because he's getting new york through joe bulow or whatever um but i think there's a lot of tension there and and Eble might be interested in just wiping the the slate clean, wiping the the board clean here, and getting rid of Josto as well. And if they can get to Eble and say, "Hey, Josto ordered a hit essentially on Donatello oh. by by having proof of this nurse had his ring,"
1: it's tenuous. It's really, really loosely connected. Ethelred also knows they have a romantic relationship.
0: Right, but, but but. But, how do you prove that to Ebel and like how do you say well she the nurse didn't just act on her own and take this ring? She has a history of murdering unconnected people, so why wouldn't she just be acting on her own like connecting this to Josto directly is
1: very tenuous in my opinion, but would you say it's messy? Would you say those connections yes. are messy and and fudged and indistinct yeah, yeah, for sure but but can they convince
0: Ebel of it? I guess is the question, and will Ebel then then go like, look, he's a loose cannon that we need to get rid of um, and I'll just take over. And New York can take over, right?
1: New York can be like, all right, we're calling this and you know what, Uh, who's the tallest guy here? Joe Bulo, you're running this thing now. Right, right. So I could see it. You
0: have to squint, but you can definitely see a path to victory here. Um, Mm. You know, and and then I I fully believe that like cannon and uh, the Loy and Ebel could broker some kind of truce deal here that ends this war
1: yeah i think that's that feels right to me like if you if if you can and that's that's the other really delicious irony is that josto would go down and then you know this goes back to the core of the debates we've had many times over the last few weeks did josto order the hit right right you know some people say absolutely he did he knew that he was doing the mafia double talk a lot of you know my position's always been it's deliberately been left up to interpretation. And now that you've said this, I think this is the way it comes back because there's enough yeah. there, there, that like, I, I think about also that scene in Casino we just covered for its 30 anniversary where all the old guys are de- 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 debating who's loyal. And they're all like, oh, this guy's solid. He won't fold on us. He's been a faith. Yeah, he's a Marine. You can count on him. Yeah, I think he's pretty good. And he goes all the way to the end of the table. And the old guy's like, you know, my, my, my way of thinking is, why take the chance? Yeah. And I feel like that Josto will be that guy who the old guys are just not willing to take a chance on now that Gaetano, sure. now that like, it looks like Gaetano, also Gaetano's, it looks like he got murdered, like yeah, executed outside this hit that we know was the Fadas. dude. So it's like, I, I think that all these things are going to pile up and, um, and you're right. Evil's the one that also in this gang still has a little bit of, um, you know, fond memories over Dr. Senator kind of respected the operation like in, yeah. from an intellectual and like almost a fraternal way like him and Dr. Senator was simpatico. That makes a lot of sense. It is messy. Yeah. yeah well, but- I mean, with with Joster trying to
0: kill Gaetano right in front of Ebel, right? Like he he has thrown him under the bus and said, like lied about Satchel being dead uh, in order to get Gaetano killed and specifically asked Lloyd to kill him in exchange
1: and who's uh, gonna believe this? Oh, your brother slipped and tripped and shot himself in the head. Right. when there's it's no so witnesses. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, you were um, the only one there. Why'd you? Why did? Why are the bosses on the hit anyway? What's? Yeah, yeah. Why did you pay this? Why did you have this nurse kill the old man too? Like it's there's a mm. lot of a lot of questions, and uh, you know what the uh, mafia is not known for due process. Right. You know, if he got his chance to court a law, maybe he could clear himself. I don't think he's going to get that chance, Jim. I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any law and order uh, at this late stage. Uh, anything else to talk about? Because that's the episode of Fargo. Uh, I did next want to week- say on the episode where Gaetano
0: goes out, I noticed this this episode. Gaetano has the face of one of those pinball machines, which has like the two sets of flippers, one at the top, one at the bottom. If you look at his eyebrows and his mustache there that's it that's what it is he has a, okay. a pinball pinball machine face that's all i wanted to say i couldn't
1: help pin but notice bot, it. Pinbot 2000 hell yeah uh, sh- sure okay <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't see it i'll have to i have to watch the episode again and see if it jumps out at me yeah all right it's time to consider feedback for our fargo podcast because that's what we do here fargo at baldmove.com is how you send it you can also uh discuss it with your fellow fans on our forums the forums at uh, one note is uh, there is one more episode, of course, you can get your feedback on. We also will be coming back after that last episode the week after with a Fargo wrap up podcast, which I'm hoping to get some answers as far as like, you know, have some juicy quotes from Holly about the things went right and the things that went wrong and the things maybe he could have changed because, uh, you know, he usually does those things and it'll be exciting to read. And if you got any final uh, feedback, uh, send it into Fargo at Baldmove.com. Remember, there will be a wrap up podcast this year. Uh, okay. First up, Brandon in the Mitten said, I have some thoughts on the latest black and white episode of Fargo. This is, of course, the Wizard of Oz from the previous week. What a fantastic quirky ride it was. The Wizard of Oz connections continue, though I'm not really sure what the purpose of it all is. Also, do you think it's possible the rabbi and Kalamita are still alive? Uh... You always hear stories no. about people surviving in the eye of twisters. Not sure if those are folk tales, but considering Fargo's habit of having improbable things occur in key moments, I'm not ruling out a rabbi swooping in to save Satchel or Lloyd <laughs> in the last minute. It's been four months. Uh, I I doubt it. Yeah, I mean that's the problem with sending in the feedback in a previous episode. Uh yeah, yeah rabbi Calamita. Uh, Maybe, but like I – yeah, I don't – yeah, narratively I just don't see it happening um, and how that would be important like with the, with the time jump because I don't think anybody saw the time jump coming. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on to Justin P. from San Francisco, love your work and often find myself watching shows I wouldn't otherwise watch. Well, thank you, Justin. I have two things to add, one inconse- inconsequential, maybe even borderline pedantic, and other relevant to your current state of political – or our current state of political affairs – First, Jim referenced a specific character from The Wizard of Oz who was the gold standard opponent. I'm pretty sure it's based on William Jennings Bryant, who in the late 1890s gave a famous speech known as the Cross of the Go- of Gold Speech, where he decried the gold standard. Just a bit of trivia for the future. Hmm. Uh, finally, you mentioned in the episode that uh, pederasty is the one thing the left and right can agree upon, but I'm afraid it's still not true. <laughs> During the Alabama 2017 special Senate session to fill Jeff Sessions' Senate seat, he vacated to take the Trump administration attorney general post. Doug Jones versus Roy Moore is revealed that Judge Moore had a very clear history of preying on young teenage girls, and the right wing rallied behind Roy Moore because they believed even a child sexual predator was a better choice than a very conservative Democrat. Uh, He lost, but it was a pretty fucking close election. You know, guy who dates 13 to 16-year-olds versus guy who – personally shut down the Ku Klux Klan tough choice, tough choice, Alabama. Um, anyway, so I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of perversely evidence because he would have won in a landslide. How that that allegation kind of come uh, to light. That's still something we agree. Pedophiles is bad, but I don't know in the margins. It's, yeah, it's gross. Um, uh, he also said uh, he's a recent club member, uh, and maybe uh, other people have this problem too, but they want to figure out how to get content, that club content into your iPhone. Uh, it's actually real easy. If you go to baldmove.com and then you log in, uh, there is a, a a bar for for premium features. And under that, there is what's called the... What is it called? The podcast subscription tool? Yep. And you click on that and it allows you to... Um, you know, build the copy and paste thing you need to put in your particular uh, um, uh, podcast app. Uh, we have one for iPhone. Uh, we have one for a lot of them and a generic one that works for almost all the others. So it's real easy. Just use that tool. It takes about 30 seconds to put the the punch it into your favorite podcast app. And then you got your premium commercial free goodness. Uh, David H. I always look forward to your takes on my favorite shows. Well, thanks, David. I think Chekhov's knife shows up when Mike Milligan stabs the Undertaker in season two. Um, I guess he's talking about um, Chekhov's knife being the knife that the uh, you know the the stabbing lessons that Rabbi gives to Mike to to Satchel slash Mike Milligan. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's a it's a wild Chekhov's gun. It's a time traveling Chekhov's knife. Love it. Back five years and two seasons ago. Uh, but 30 years into this show's future, mm-hmm. yeah, no.
0: I, if that's intentional, and if that's yeah, if they meant that, that's really cool, actually.
1: Yeah, I got you. Got to get fucking Doctor Who involved writing the scripts at this point. Yeah. Um, David continues. Maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it, but the future is now. Signed looks like an advertisement for the suburbs. What goes along with suburbs is white flight, home goods stores, and color television. Rabbi Milligan has truly delivered Satchel to the future, but is frustrated and lost in it. That's a good take. It's like dark. Remember that uh, sign that's out front of the, the fucking power plant or whatever? The power plant. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a pretty good take. you're right, the suburbs are known for. I mean, there's a lot of stuff sprawl. The fact that we it, it solidified and cemented the fact that America, you have to have a car to do anything or get anywhere in this country. Um, and also, yeah, white flight, um, getting out of this, you know, um, getting out of the cities because you know who, who lives in the cities, people. And you don't want to be around them. <laughs> Americans yeah, you know, it's, live in the city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Forgotten that along the way somehow. Mm-hmm. But I, that's that's a really good take. I appreciate that. Um, regarding Yertle the Turtle, I doubt that Dr. Seuss adapted it from a fable. I don't think that was his style. However, Yertle was originally drawn with a square little Hitler mustache. During the pre-war years, Seuss drew political cartoons for a socialist magazine he took shots at Hitler and other rising fascist dictatorships. I did know that. I, I think that, like, I I don't know, man, because I've seen people like tear down Dr. Seuss. I've also seen people laud Dr. Seuss for some of his views on anti-Semitism. Um, I I think the deal is maybe he started off anti-Semitic and then was talked out of it later on. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's I, I, I don't know. I don't have a dog in a fight about Yertle the Turtle. I just thought um, it's plausible that it was adapted. I was trying to find a way to make Mark Fargo not not uh, be stealing. You know, four or five years before something became a thing. Um, maybe yeah. that Italian guy is the one who gave Dr. Seuss the idea. Yeah, he he was a Could secret be. Italian socialist. Wrote in fan mail. Hey, have you ever thought about this turtle situation and how much Hitler's just like him? That Who sounds knows? right to me. That sounds definitely correct. But the only thing I know less about than Wizard of Oz
0: is Dr. Seuss. So.
1: Right. Uh, here's one I feel bad for because uh, it was titled Challenge Accepted. It's from Tommy in North Carolina. And he says, Aaron mentioned bluebirds, rainbows, tornadoes, dogs and picnic baskets and melting witches. I'm not sure if I specifically challenged our listeners to come up with a song or a limerick that incorporates all these things. Um, if I did tommy tommy one tommy one uh here's his here's his uh, sample uh five bluebirds in a feeder in november and i just have to say folks remember climate change is real it's a big fucking deal and the bluebirds have decided to overwinter there's many a holly twist in fargo not the least omi's surprise cargo but that doesn't explain so the question exp- remains will there ever be rainbows in fargo the Midwest is filled with untethered and apparently unpredictable weather, so along comes a wind that's liable to end, both villains and heroes together. A miracle took place, not from outer space, and like a shot from Sin City, and less is the pity, that witch takes a house to the face. Hmm. Satchel's Mike Milligan, not a spoiler, and now we go back to the KC potboiler, but I hope little Mike buttons his jacket and survives Whitey's KC racket, but for now, Rabbit ain't got no picnic basket. They probably all end up in a ditch, like we say, life's a bitch. But a simple bucket of water from an earnest farmer's daughter melted real good that cranky witch. Uh, so there you go. All right, I like it. <laughs> That's it's uh, it's whatever challenge I issued, you have bested it. And uh, I don't know what it is about Tom's and Bald Move, but like they tend towards poetry. Mm-hmm. Remember Tom and Volkswagen? Sure. He was our, our, our poet laureate, uh, yeah. and now we got Tommy from North Carolina coming to take the belt. Uh, Thank you for that. Let's move on to Stephen S. Hey, I'm a new listener to your podcast. I really enjoy it. I really look forward to your podcast as much as I look forward to Fargo. That's high praise. Wow. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, In the East West episode, there's a couple of scenes that you glossed over and mentioned them seemingly uh, as insignificant. In my opinion, they were very powerful scenes. I'm talking about the scene where Satchel and the rabbi meet the lady at the front desk and the rabbi robbed the Indiana brothers. These scenes were significant for the message of racism that Holly is driving home this season. For example, the front desk lady casually talks about the sisters not liking black people. Meanwhile, she's employed by them. As a person of color, Native American, Mexican in this case, I can tell you this absolutely happens. People assume that hiring minorities is a sign that someone is not racist. That is obviously not true, but many people either purposely or naively use it as a shield. Then when uh, the rabbi is committing a violent crime, the officer is tied up uh, harassing an innocent black kid. This point to so another thing that happens. The amount of time spent profiling takes away from cops actually being able to protect and serve. Yeah, um, is, has, it's like the, oh, I got a black friend statement. Yeah. 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 That's, or I can't be racist. I'm I dated a black person once or, you know, right. I, yeah, I hired one. I voted for Barack Obama. I cannot possibly <laughs> sure. be there. Actually, there's actually Um, I talk about this on a three right turns podcast, but there's a well studied phenomenon called moral license where a person that does one thing is perceived as virtuous. Then lets them like, for example, I for the last three days kept in my diet. So tonight I'm going to eat a whole chocolate cake. Yeah. Or I voted for that black president the one time. So now I'm going to really lean first in this anti-immigrant American first because I can't possibly be racist. I've already proved it. It actually kind of rebounds kind of like in in the allows society to like rebound in ugly ways. It's mm-hmm. uh it's in, it's an interesting form of mental bias. Like a lot of these things are uh, they he, uh, also continues in an admonishment to me. He says, uh, P.S., please stop calling Native Americans Indians we call ourselves that, but that's really the only time it's appropriate. If you must say Indian, at least say American Indian. If you have any listeners who are currently of Indian descent, you may be mildly offending two different cultures. As a Native American, uh, American Lakota to be exact, calling us Indians is a very minor offense to me. Hey, I'm sorry. I don't mean to do that. Sometimes this gets me in trouble in shows. Like for Westworld, um, I try to conscientiously observe, uh, like refer to people who do sex work as sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't want to demean people that are doing 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 those jobs and have a hard enough problem. But when I'm watching Westworld or when I'm talking about Game of Thrones, what freely refers and the people as whores, and the, the sex workers themselves refer to them themselves as that. Um, I sometimes go along with that rhetorically in the show. Um, and sometimes I think that, uh, like, uh, that that that's happened this season because people are freely referring to Native Americans as Indians. They themselves are doing it. And, you know, I kind of get swept along in that. Um, and not, not even swept along. It's a conscious choice to, like, take the material. Yeah. But, you know, it's a fair criticism because, like, I for uh-huh. damn sure if I was doing, like, uh, Huckleberry Finn, I wouldn't be referring to Jim as Inward Jim just because no. I'm going along. So, like, there's probably a little thing I need to work on there. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll try to figure out how to do that better in the future. Uh, Whitney in Philadelphia. Hey guys, maybe I'm slow, but before the final episode, please tell me how Loy, uh, holding the ring ends the war. Why are they both smiling at the end? I I, I, I don't know. Were you, did that? were you persuaded by the gym? Cause I, I left this in because I, I'm with you. I'm like, Oh, we'll have a rip roaring discussion about that. But I think Jim's got a good good idea there
0: yeah I mean I had um, to sit down
1: and think about it like this is one of
0: those things where I was like oh god I I don't get the end of this episode I don't know why it helps them at all after watching this the first time and then yeah I had to I had to like sit down and think what possible help could this be and, and I think it was like the Ebel connection is what really solidified it for me
1: um also before the final episode please explain what and why uh what why clues lead you to believe the satchel is Mike Milligan. Uh, for a moment, I thought that Red Truck was going to have mute twins in the back. And since it had the menacing racists with that guns of their own, I'm lost to why you guys had originally thought uh, that. Um, this seems to be like a pet theory that the the subreddit, especially
0: probably internet at uh, large, has, has latched onto. I think it's right, um, but it's really more of a feeling than it is anything. Like, especially up until now, you know, when he turned the corner and was like, this is my fucking world, fuck off. Uh, It was real, real thin Uh, based on the rabbi having the last name Milligan, uh, the Casey Mafia being, you know, related to Mike Milligan in the future and him working for them and, and this all taking place in Kansas City. It was like, okay, I can see it. But
1: nothing like concrete, I don't think,
0: has really been. And uh, you know, the
1: big thing is like also Mike Milligan's black, Satchel's black. Sure, yeah. How does a young brash man like Mike Milligan rise so far and and in such a trusted role in the nineteen seventies, which, you know, I think twenty twenty America is still pretty racist. Nineteen seventies America was racist, nineteen fifties America's race like, you know, like it's it it it's the the arrow of, of progress points forward, not back. So it was like, you know, how do you explain? I remember that even being kind of talked as as kind of like a weird um, piece of exceptionalism. Like, you know, like either Mike Milligan is like a really, really, really fucking good gangster to where he's, uh, you know, got, gotten across all that prejudice and racism within the mafia and within this area of the country in particular, um, which I think that's also true. But also, yeah. you know, he might have a little in here and that he Milligan. was maybe instrument.
0: Uh, yeah. Can, can Mike Milligan be described as a Mary Sue without this connection here?
1: I, I don't know. Like is, he's so he, good at his job. He's like, doesn't make,
2: it, I I don't know. because He
1: also has a lot of flaw. He also, if I recall has, sure. has particular uh, particular peculiar flaws as well. Um, it's been a while. A hallmark, so. not hallmark of a Mary Sue. Right. Um, so I, I think that's like, it's again, it's like, it's all circumstantial and it's also not, I don't think really important. Um, in in just the same way that like Joe Bulo, like, you know, um, I guess that's a little different because they're actually the guy's name and he, you know. But, and, and that's but a like, connection for Mike Milligan, too. Right.
0: The Joe Bulo is directly involved here in this season. You could say, oh, by extension, right. they might have Mike Milligan directly involved. The ages work
1: out uh, that kind the of the age would work out. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty beautifully as well. And just kind of like also, um, especially after the when we talked about this last week, but in the Wizard of Oz episode. You know, him meeting that the uh, guy who does 10 siding uh, with the how to the win friends and influence people like that's very Mike Milligan. Yeah, very like that guy's like vo- vocal patterns and the way he talked to people and all that stuff um is 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 very, very Mike Milligan. So it's like I said, it's all circumstantial. There's never been like drawing a picture of Satchel and like M. Milligan, you know, rap sheet kind of like it's it's never been, but it, it also seems like definitely what they're alluding to. Whitney concludes, finally, I don't like anyone on this series, and that's never happened in Fargo before. I tend to like good guys and bad guys alike, but here everyone's annoying. When Linda Nygaard, for example, told of her past and was then murdered, I thought it was sad, but I also thought it was an effective speech and trauma to go along with it. With Gaetano's 11-year-old with a massive desire, quote-unquote, it was just weird and off-putting to me. Anyway, thanks so much for covering your show. I wish you had done Undoing. I missed you guys. I've not even heard of Undoing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's weird that you go with an eleven year old having sex for the first time almost getting murdered and then murdering someone mm-hmm. um you know there there could have been maybe something a little bit more eleven year old and sympathetic, but yeah like I said before i I think that uh that's fucked up, you know, like there's a lot of things that they've hinted at this season of being fucked up that haven't come out and write and say it like the the Milligan being a child molester of his own kids and other people's kids. Um, I wonder if they're trying to do some kind of like early sexualization trauma thing here. Um,
0: How old is Vito's wife supposed to be in The Godfather when he marries her in Sicily or whatever? Isn't she like super young? Isn't she like 13 or?
1: I know Michael for sure. His Italian wife was like 14 or 15. Yeah, 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 the yeah. one that the, that gets blown up in the car. Yeah, uh-huh. okay,
0: it's it's Michael's wife. Yeah, not Vito's. Uh, yeah, so maybe they're leaning into that. Maybe Holly's like, oh, well, they you know have super Sorry. young brides, which means super young sex and, and super young uh, feelings
1: and thoughts. I've, it is be. weird and off-putting, but the, 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 the everything else about the trial, like you know 11-year-old being on a death squad, you know, or even a 13-14 year old is pretty pretty fucking horrific. Um it mm-hmm. is weird that they they leaned into the Oh, my first sexual experience as 11 and already strong as Ox, like <laughs> I don't I don't know. That's on the early side, but you know, maybe he's an early bloomer. Sure. Yeah, it's it's weird. I'm not going to try to talk you out of that opinion. Yeah. And you're not alone, Whitney. Like a lot of like I even Dr. I Dr. Senator really- he's the the best right the best of all of them he's the best of all of them i really want to like loy cannon and i kept on looking for him to be this criminal genius but i just don't feel like it's that's worth the writing he's just he's he's not he's 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 a decent guy for by by criminal reckonings Mm -hmm. he holds the code and he keeps his word and he's pretty ad but like he doesn't have like these really intense crazy plots like they are always kind of on the surface and i i i kind of i'm kind of with you and like as much as i want to like um Elthal Rita, and i do like her she's she's gone from crucial uh, sections of this season and i feel yeah. like they could have told this story a little bit better and had her um, have a little bit more of an organic because I felt like every single time she appears on the scene, she's moving plot forward, like yeah. literally. And that's a lot to put on this character's shoulders, especially when she's like a pseudo main character. So, yeah, yeah. it's just
0: those sub- those series of, subver- of subversions I talked about earlier make everybody look weak and therefore dumb and. Um, and I, I don't know, like, uh, well, I and like I don't think he's a dumb guy. I think he's got a lot of smarts, uh, a lot of the correct ideas and the plays that he's making are just constantly subverted. Like he tries to make this play with weff. It doesn't go anywhere. He tries to make this play by releasing Gaetano, getting him to kill Josto. It does backfires on him. Like all of the things that he tries that are actually really very smart are subverted by the writing of the rest of the season. And that makes it feel super dissatisfying, both on a plot level for me, and then also for you as as an emailer uh, on a character
1: level. So I agree. That's rough. Let's move on to Matt McF uh, regarding the Ninja Nurse. Hey guys, I'm enjoying the season for the most part, but a real head scratcher for me is Orietta. How could a woman that seems to have problem bending her knees? Make her way through a locked door, past the sleeping Lemuel, up the stairs and into Mary Sue's, I mean, Ethel Rita's bedroom. <laughs> okay, there's your Scream, there. me, then back out of the room, get past Lemuel with the shotgun and back to her place with all sorts of skills, with this, the sorts of skills that she wouldn't have needed to poison Dr. Harvard. Uh, with these, okay, with those sorts of skills, she wouldn't have needed to poison him. She yep. could have gotten his office easily. She might as well go with the cops. There's no way they can hold her. Um. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it's un- unbelievable. And that's why they don't show yeah. any of it. <laughs> they just skip. yeah, like you imagine her. Imagine her. Like, what does her sneak stomp look like up the <laughs> right. stairs? You know, yeah. Um, I, I, that's that's a damn good question. I feel like if they had really leaned in her being like this super, uh, yes. supernatural, unstoppable evil force, which I thought they were doing early on in the season, then uh-huh. it would just like no one questions why. Um, shit. Who is Malvo. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. yeah. No one questions how and why Lauren Malvo can get out of a basement with no exits, how we can get into a restroom and cut the power, how we can do this, that, yep. and the other. He just does because he's a vaguely supernatural thing. They really went away from that and and made her like uh, you know, uh th- th- give her all the weird sex BDSM stuff and all these other layers and put a lot of human stuff on her that they never did with yeah. uh you know, um, Malvo. So I, I, yeah, I, I don't know, but your, your timeline of events is hysterical. (laughs) Uh, as for Ethel Rita, I think she's a textbook, Mary Sue, the flaw they could have given her perhaps is stressing out about the diary or journal that she left in the murder shrine, but nope, they completely gloss over that. And instead she walks into Lloyd's office and reminds us of how smart she is by speaking fluent French and knowing art history and lays out a plan to save the family from the mob. Uh, Yeah, I agree with this criticism, too. Um, And
0: I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing to have a Mary Sue in your story. Um, It is a trope, certainly. But, I mean, Fargo leans into a lot of archetypes, right? Like the dumb criminal uh, archetype is something they lean heavily into. Um, I I think you can do it, but, man, you got to do something original with it. And I don't think they did here.
1: Yeah, and like but some people say, well, the defense of the Mary Sue is her flaws that like no one really is on her side. Like everyone, like she's a very, she's the best person on the show, but no one's, no one can see that. Not the school administrators, not, you know, no one takes her seriously. That's not a counterintrication of like, Mary Sue. Mary Sue's a lot of times are unappreciated geniuses, mm-hmm. you know, that are not, they don't fit in and are not accepted by, you know, because people don't appreciate their, their, their next level genius. Um, And if
0: I'm being super generous, I would say that Holly wants to use the Mary Sue, in this case, a black girl to drive home the point that no matter how intelligent and well put together and articulate you are as a black person, you're not going to be taken seriously, which is, you know, the speech that Orietta gives her at the end of this episode. That would be maybe. It, not too generous. I think that is what they're doing. Uh, it's just like, is that enough?
1: Yeah, and also like, if you're a white guy writing a young black girl, like, what flaw do you give her that feel mm. that you would feel comfortable writing about? Like, you know, like what, what's her, what's the thing that she's going to overcome? You know, like, oh, God, she's she's a black woman living in this racially divided house in this back, you know, culturally backward spot in the Midwest embroiled broiled in a gang war like oh, maybe she's got enough uh, external uh, threats and flaws and things that she's got just just standing there like the. The the she's in she's in um you know waist deep w- fast moving water and it's miraculous that she's not being swept upstream she doesn't need any more problems she's stuck in this 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 undercurrent right so yeah I don't know um it's it's tough like I said Holly bit out a bit off a lot trying to <sighs> to do this particular season and centered on so many different things in a way mm. that like the I think the Watchmen dodged all this by just like, you know what this is? This is about, this is about a particular thing and a particular people and how they deal with it rather than let's also try to soften it by bringing these other perspectives and what they think and show like, it's, it's a lot harder when you just laser in and focus on what the watchman was trying to do versus um, so many things that he's trying to do on uh, here in Fargo. Last email. Uh, From Furconda from Chippewa, New New York says, The line that Nurse Orietta hisses to Ethel Rita, What does it feel like to be so sure you're right and know that nobody cares? It's been the plight of many black people in America, with the most recent protests illuminating how this mentality and reality is still permissive. This episode, though, is the first episode of the season that fell kind of flat for me. Nurse Orietta's interaction and dialogue was the highlight. The backstory of the ghost that haunts Ethel Rita's family was powerful but confusing. Roach was evil and he's alive. Is he a protector now? Why does he like sunlight? I mm-hmm. think – I hope – I don't know. Maybe some of the things I said were persuasive or um, uh, explanatory on that, um, hopefully. Uh, Gaetano's backstory I also found poignant. He's obviously suffering from PTSD, but shows signs of sadist behavior in the manner in which he protected himself from Adeline's uh Adelina's father. When Josto says you are here now, that's what every immigrant must remind themselves when the pain of what horrors immigrants have left behind creeps back into your mind. Yeah, imagine if you're from a war torn country. Um, for example, a refugee, and like what it's what it must be like to, you know a month ago be in a place is being shelled. And now you're in a country that's safe. Like when, what does that even mean? How does this country feel about you? What does relative safety mean? Those are all, uh, interesting points to, to, to pick out. And another thing that, another, another big part of the big mouthful that we're trying to chew here, uh, happy carrying the pictures of his ancestors, slaves and sharecroppers. Very powerful. So many of us have our own ancestors with us, um, or ghosts that follow us haunting, warning and advising us. Um, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and adore this series and especially this season. This episode is a bit lacking, especially after watching East West last week. But I remain a huge fan. Glad we left Fargo and very happy to see this type of storyline with this wealth of characters and their complexions. Um, I mean, that's that's where I like. I like Holly because he does try to do big um, things, both in terms of storytelling, in terms of the stories he's trying to tell. The things he's trying to tackle are difficult. Like in Legion, it's a superhero story, but it's really about mental illness. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this is a story about a gang war, but it's really about the melting pot of America. And what does that even mean? Uh, And I would much rather a guy do this kind of thing and occasionally fail or maybe not quite meet the mark than to just kind of play it safe and like, oh, let's just tell a traditional gang story because... You know, that's that's what Fargo's doing, right?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Get by so, that. uh that's the email this week. Uh, fargo at bald is how you send us uh get in touch with us. Again, we'll have one more episode to discuss, and we will have a wrap up episode. So two weeks left to get your feedback in. Fargo at bald That wraps us up for this week. Uh until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.